Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode six of Black in Behavior. I'm your moderator, Nicole Robinson. I also go by Nikki. Both are cool. <laughs> and we're welcoming back um, Sharon this week. Yay, Sharon's back. Yay. I'm so excited to have you, Sharon. I love seeing your face. Glad to be back. It's funny, me and Nikki were talking the last time we got together, and I said, you know, Nikki, it really is different when Sharon isn't here because Sharon is like the calm between <laughs> the storms that are you and me. And so we really do, we need, we need Sharon's voice because she, she, she brings us back. Thank you for jumping through all these hoops to be with us on this podcast. Oh, of course. Really. Love and appreciate you so much. Aw, love you guys too. <laughs> all right, so today we've just, oh, sorry, go ahead. Okay, anyway, today we've decided that we are going to talk about hair, black hair. Um, and we have written down a whole bunch of notes and we're really excited for the hair episode. I've been slowly compiling stuff for the hair episode ever since before we started this podcast and we thought that this month was a good month to do it. So um, let's get started. So um, at first we wanted to talk about um, professionalism based on Eurocentric standards, um, how black hair is perceived and um, kind of take it from there. So um, black hair is definitely its own thing. It is very different from a lot of hair from other people, but also this is of course a generalization. Um, our hair tends to be curly and porous and a little bit on the dry side. And um, yeah, and for some reason throughout history, it's just kind of been demonized. Like I remember that laws were made, I think not only in the US, but in a, a couple of countries where you had to cover up your hair because it was too powerful. <laughs> um, do, you, do you all know about those laws? Um, so I don't know about specific laws. Um, and let me just say, and to kind of piggyback on, on what you just mentioned, Nikki, mm -hmm. um, Black hair is just as diverse as Black people are. Mm -hmm. um, black hair looks completely different from me than it looks on, on you, Nikki, than it looks on Sharon and the plethora of other Black people that exist in the world. It's not all the same. We don't all do the same things to treat it. Um, it is just as unique as we are individually. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know of any specific laws, um, but I was just recently listening to this awesome podcast called Dissect. It's a music podcast, and it is a um, like an analyzation of uh, artists and, and their different projects that they've done. One of the episodes was on Lemonade, Beyonce's Lemonade. And they talked about some of the symbolism um, in Lemonade, which was a visual album. Um, and one of the things that Beyonce did was cover her head with a um, very distinct head wrap that Creole women used um, back in the day because, because as in the time when they were enslaved, um, their slave masters deemed their hair to be too extravagant and distracting. Mm -hmm. So in a attempt to control um, 
control them in their hair, they forced them to wrap their hair. And so these women created these very extravagant hair wraps with jewels and they were bright colored and different patterns um, as a sort of um, rebellion against this idea that their hair was problematic. Mm -hmm. um, so this issue with black hair is absolutely in a historic issue. Yes. Um, it's, it's been around for eons at this point. Yes. And I found the laws. I Googled it. Um, the Tignan laws were passed in 1786 by, you know, Governor Esteban Rodriguez and aimed to prohibit Creole women of color from displaying excessive attention to dress in the streets of to dress in the streets of New Orleans. The law stipulated that they must wear a Tignan, a type of head covering mm -hmm. or scarf to cover up their hair. So this is law. Yeah, these are laws we um, used to have to cover up our hair because it was you know, too powerful, too extravagant and amazing and hot. <laughs> and um, a, a lot of people still wrap their hairs up or still a lot of people still wrap their hair up. And um, it's it's like a cultural thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The beauty of black culture, right? Um, one thing that is so beautiful about us is that we've always been able to take things that were initially meant to be harmful um, or meant to mean um, demeaning things and, and made it into a thing that we um, find endearing and that we can share culturally with, with each other, like head wraps, um, mm -hmm. like some terminology um, that people use. There, there were things that were meant to keep us down and we, we've turned it around into this beautiful thing that we share amongst each other. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's definitely what Black women, especially, were dealing with um, since the dawn of time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was not familiar with that law, so that was that's really interesting. Um, I do feel like there is a lot of fascination with Black hair. Have you guys had people touch your hair or asked to touch your hair? Um, people that you don't know? Um, never adults, honestly. I have had kids, especially um, like little autistic kids come up and touch my hair or ask to touch my hair. And I'm going to be real with you and I'm sorry, but I usually let them do it. I, I, I'm just like, <laughs> my hair is amazing and I want to share it with everybody. You do need mm -hmm. to ask though, because right. I'm going to let this generalize out of control and like let, you know, people touch my hair and then start touching other people's hair. So I'm just kind of like, yes, my curls are amazing and I would love to share them with you. They spoing. Um, but you do need to ask every time you want to touch them. And I've trained all of the little kids that I work with or hang out with to ask before they touch my hair. And so for little kids, it's definitely different, right? Because we know that the intent is not, there's no malice in their intent. Exactly. And I don't necessarily think that in adults that there's any malice either, but they should definitely know better. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, for in most instances, and just for the record, for those for those of you who have never seen me, have no idea what I look like, I am bald, but I have a very thick <laughs> beard. Um, and my kiddos love my beard. Their hands are, that's usually where they go, is <laughs> to my beard. Right. And I don't necessarily mind it. I think it is um, important, like Nikki said, to functionally teach the appropriateness of asking. 
um, just because we don't want those kids to go out into the streets and feel like it's appropriate to just walk up to somebody and grab their beards or grab their hair. Mm -hmm. um, that's not safe, obviously. So again, I think it just stood, I'm not so, I don't really care if it's a kiddo. Mm -hmm. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't care. Yeah, if I'm working with a, a client and they're touching my hair, um, I don't mind it. But like you said, teaching them to ask first, that's that's important. Um, an adult is a different story. I've had adults touch my hair um, and that's just really awkward. So mm -hmm. very inappropriate. Don't do that. Like, you know, we don't know where your hands have been. So Ew, yeah. <laughs> your hands with my hair like that. I don't know you. Yeah. For people who are listening to this podcast and who have wanted to touch um, textured hair, um, the reason why it's upsetting is just kind of like, yeah, strangers come up with dirty hands and they want to touch your hair and you don't want to feel like you are an animal in a petting zoo. You're just kind of like, um, it's some people just kind of feel entitled to come over and touch you. And it is, it's not, it's not something that is okay. Like you, you definitely want to keep your autonomy and you want to keep your big voluminous, amazing hair and you need people to ask you before they touch it. And you want to be able to have the freedom to say no. Also, can I shout out this video game? Um, there is a video game called hair, hair Knot. And it is a video game of um, made by a black woman. And the entire video game is just trying to keep people from touching your hair. And it's so oh, cute. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <even> today. <laughs> it's um, so like you can choose your hairstyle. You've got like little Bantu knots. You've got box braids. You've got an Afro. You've got like sponge twists. And then like you hit go and then you go out into the city and then you slap people away from your hair. And that's the entire game. And I think it, it like got really close to like winning awards and stuff. So like if <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's awesome. It's it's really cute. I'm like looking at pictures right now. It's called hair gnaw. And um, yeah, if if ever you want to like, I don't know, immerse yourself in this hair gnaw is a really cute game. And is that like a what platform? Can you play that game on? Is it um, like an app or is it like an actual? You know, I'm not sure. I've just uh, seen it in award circles. Okay, yeah, we'll have to find that out. Yeah. Um, and post that for the people. And for my <laughs> I'm not interested. For too. me too. <laughs> <laughs> um, but our production actually just brought up a good point too. Um, that there were there was a time again historically where black children um black people period were put into human zoos um where people would walk through and touch them and look at them like they were animals um so a lot of these things have historical context like that's mm -hmm. that's where it began um and that history of course has followed us so it's it's not okay ever to subject somebody to that without their consent. Exactly. Uh, that's upsetting. <laughs> or asking if your hair is real. Have you had that, Nikki? Yes. I mean, um, I'm my, my hair grows pretty long and I don't know, people ask me if my hair is real all the time. And especially when I was younger, and, you know, sometimes it was and sometimes it wasn't, but I'm just kind of like, 
I bought it. It's mine. It's physical. Right. It's real. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, it's none of your business. I don't even know you. Yeah. Yeah. And if it was, if I did buy my hair at the store, which makes it my hair, is that a problem? Is that a problem for you? Yeah. Like what's the follow-up to that? And that's what right. makes it so awkward, right? Because after, after that question, after I've answered you now, what? <laughs> where do we go from here <laughs> like and like not only that but like people of all races buy their hair by hair extensions and you know something like that but like we're the ones who get demonized for it of course yeah. exactly. absolutely Let me see. and it happens everywhere it it happens in the workplace it happens just walking down the street like it happens literally everywhere. And I think that that viewpoint is everywhere too, where um, you can see, like if we're talking about colored hair, um, I've seen several, inst several instances where um, a black woman or black man with colored hair is um, painted as ratchet or mm -hmm. ghetto or whatever term people wanna use. But when we see those same colors on other, races it's like oh, okay that's just that's what they do that's mm -hmm. their thing right. you know man have ownership over that and, and they mean, also get the credit for setting the trend too so that's, so that's another <laughs> that's another episode right there oh all in itself because girl i'm just like internally screaming i'm like everything gets stolen everything <laughs> but like at, at some point maybe i mean like our hair is big and it's textured and it's super adorable. What if you just wanted it to be a pink cloud one day? You're just kind of like, yeah, I'm really no. in my femininity today and I want like a giant pink afro and it's going to look like a cloud. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be super dreamy. And yeah, um, it's uh, I'm, I'm just thinking about the like, this is the only this is the only time when like the the word colored is like acceptable is like when you're thinking about somebody actually physically dyeing their hair. I'm like, yes, that's the only time I want to hear the word colored. <laughs> I've never thought about that, but that's a great point. Yeah, I recently um, had a buddy of mine. I'm I swear I am her only black black friend. She used colored, and like I I waited until all of her like friends were gone because I didn't want to like call her out. And I called her in. I was just like, look. I need to talk to you because I can't have you using this word just like out in society. <laughs> and she's just like, right. I'm so sorry. I did not know that that slipped. I'm just like, watch it. We're so <laughs> cool though. <laughs> Words but, definitely yeah. mean things. Yeah, but yeah. Does our dress code mention anything about having colorful hair or anything? That's a great question. You know, I, I don't think I've ever did our. Um, I am not sure, but I'm look it up. People in the Portland area have hair and piercings, ha hair colors of all colors, and lots of piercings and tattoos everywhere. Nice. Um, yeah, it's um, and nobody has ever gotten any flack for it up here in the Portland area, but it's Portland, so I don't know if. Uh, yeah. We are okay, so nails, yes, but hair, nope. Mm, what I think that the field is, I think this is one of the few fields where 
they consider those things acceptable, like piercings and tattoos. Um, I don't think I've worked in any other field where I've seen this much of it. Mm -hmm. um, and that's really made me appreciate the field even more. Right. It's kind of um, nice. Yeah, it is nice. And I think that it's good for our clients, too, because, you know, they may have wants and desires um, about their the way they want their body to look um, that they can't necessarily express you know, with their family or whatever the case may be. And then they see someone that's, you know, living their life whatever way. And they're like, oh, okay, so this is a thing that does exist. There are other people that are doing this. Um, and maybe I'm more comfortable now having that conversation or expressing that this is, you know, what I want to do. So. Right. Yeah. And I think it's cool to see supervisors with tattoos and colorful mm -hmm. hair and just changing that idea of what professional actually looks like mm -hmm. so for me I, I love it i do too i like being able to shop for my professional clothes at ross just kind of like i'm just going to get my athleisure clothes and that is like <laughs> professionalism because i'm going to be doing all sorts of jumping around with my kiddo and i i'm going to need to be able to be you know stretchy and active it's nice to not have to shop at macy's or you know some kind of very expensive stuffy store you know Exactly. Mm -hmm. And for me, I'll fluff up the hair. <laughs> mm -hmm. I get my nails done. Uh, yeah, I just want to change that perception that you just have to look a certain way to, mm -hmm. to be a supervisor or a boss or whoever. Um, yes, I, I swear I did straighten my hair when I went in for my interview with Katie. I didn't know who I was going to be yeah, talking to. Or, well, no, it wasn't Cadient. Um, we were like a smaller company before we merged with Cadient, but I definitely did like wear my, you know, stuffiest clothes and I straightened my hair to bone straight and I went in and I got that job and I like never straightened my hair again. <laughs> but I don't know if, um, if I hadn't straightened my hair, how I would have been perceived. I was just kind of like, all right, I'm probably going to be interviewed with a white person. I don't know how... Um, I don't know how, you know, generous they are going to be with um, how they're perceiving black people. I'm too nervous mm -hmm. to go in natural. So I'm just going to try to assimilate because I really want this job. So it's like, it, it's kind of rough always having to think about how you're being. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And especially when like, you know, white people are doing hiring. I mean, they could be the most, you know, woke, sweet, fun-loving, all-person-loving white person. But like, if you're just meeting them for an interview, you don't know that. You're, right. <laughs> yeah, you're, you still might feel pressure to, uh, you know, code switch or do yourself up a certain kind of way. Which is so interesting because I don't, I don't know. And I, I guess I haven't had enough conversations to really know. And I actually can't say that I've ever thought to ask. Um, I think that because professional standards have been set from a Eurocentric view, um, that white people specifically don't even think about these things. Um, I think they just kind of come and like, I, I am, I present as professional because of what I look like. Whereas we genuinely have to put thought into oh, I should probably pull my hair back or I should probably take my earrings out um, or maybe I should straighten my hair um, or whatever the case may be. Like even for me um, as a bald person with a beard, 
there there have been times where I thought about cutting my beard off. Mm -hmm. I just didn't know I, I one was in a space where I really needed a job and two I just didn't know how um how would be how it would be perceived because at the end of the day the large majority of the time um our hair um something as simple as the follicles growing out of our faces and heads are seen as threatening they're viewed as threatening um or aggressive um and i've heard that before i've been told that before uh, mm -hmm. i've been told that i may i was working at a job one time um this blood banking facility and in the interview um i was interviewed by um a white lady super sweet white lady um who i truly don't believe had any malice intent um and she actually ended up loving me once i got hired on but neither here nor there. In the interview, she said, um, oh, you know, if your beard gets to like your shoulders or something like that, if it starts to get that long, you'll have to like net it up. I was like, cool, or cut it off. And I was like, okay, cool, you know, whatever. Um, I need a job. It's not that serious for me. And my hair grows extremely slow. So it would have been a long time before my hair got to that length anyway. So I wasn't worried about it. But once I got on the floor, I noticed a white guy whose beard was very long, mm -hmm. well beyond his shoulders. It was not in the net. Um, and as a matter of fact, while I saw, I first saw him while I was on a tour with the lady that was interviewing me. So we saw him together. And in my mind, I'm like, oh, well, it's the difference here. Uh, yeah. <laughs> What's the difference here? So yeah, um, it's definitely something that we have to, all that to say, it's definitely something that we have to put a lot of thought into. Um, also, hold on, I wanna see when this was done because I don't know if this is our current one. This says September of 2019. I don't know if the handbook has changed since then, but I just came across a blurb about hair and it says, Hair must be clean and worn in such a way that client care duties are not hindered or safety measures breached in any way. Um, hair must be neat so that it will not hinder vision, work performance, or cause a safety hazard. And that's all it says about hair. Oh, okay. So nothing about hair color? Nothing about right. color, nothing about length, just that it needs to not hinder or, or style. Yeah. Is that it just it does need to interfere with work is all I see, which is fair. Right. I love that. Yeah. Good. Yeah. I have a friend who like my roommate's looking for a better job. She's got one, but she's looking for a better job. And whenever she goes into an interview, she's got an undercut and she's worried that she's going to code a certain way. And so she like wears a wig <laughs> to like go into these interviews, man. It's like having to worry about how you're perceived is like so wild, you know? So Nikki, if you had an interview tomorrow, would you do anything to your hair? Would you straighten it? Do you leave it natural? Man, if I had an interview tomorrow, I would leave it natural. I would like go into my shower, have like a wash day. I would like go make sure I use all of the leave-in conditioner and I had like, these, you know, perfect little pop-in ringlets. And I would go into that interview natural because um, the job I have, um, 
it takes care of what I what I got. And also I've just kind of come upon this philosophy now that I'm comfortable. I mean, like when you are uncomfortable, you are willing to do anything to get a job right. and different. But now that I am comfortable and I have a job that pays my bills for the, you know, definitely. Um, and this was only a way to like better myself. I would definitely go in natural because if they, they like me with my natural hair, then that is a place where it would be good for me to work. And if they don't like me because of my natural mm-hmm. hair, then I don't really need to be working there anyway. So it's just kind of like a, a vetting process, just walking in with your natural hair. It's a weeding out process. And like, if you're going to fire me because I've got ringlets, then like, I, I really don't need to be working there anyway. I'm just going to stay where I'm at because it's all right. I'm, I'm comfortable now. So, yeah, that's a whole other conversation in itself, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I think that if I were to go to an interview tomorrow, I wouldn't change anything either. Um, I think that we definitely live in a society where we are taught that we have to meet the needs of the workplace. Um, but it's a two-way street, is what okay. I've come to learn, and and. I think that there's, that's also a difference in generations, but again, another episode. But Mm. this generation of millennials um, have really created this paradigm shift where work-life balance is the priority. (laughs) Like it's not all about slaving away at a job um, and changing yourself to meet only their needs it has mm-hmm. to be a two-way street so nikki i'm right there with you if if you have an issue with this nose ring if you have an issue with the, my beard then that's not the place i'm supposed to be working and that's just yeah. the bottom line i will yeah. definitely find work elsewhere so you are hiring me a whole person mm-hmm. <laughs> if you want to like pick and dissect i mean like up until now um everything has been very uh, I want to say everything about everybody's life has been for the employer. Like your employer mm-hmm. can fire you on the spot, but yet if you want to go somewhere else, you've got to give two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, your, you know, workplace rights has always benefited the employer. Everything mm-hmm. has always benefited the employer, but now, um, things have changed, especially now post COVID where there are not people out there to work these jobs anymore. Um, everybody's working from home and there are a lot less people than the U S now, I'm sorry to say. And so there are work shortages and um, people are, or companies are like raising their prices and everybody's quitting the jobs that they hate because this is now a, uh, a worker's market. And mm-hmm. it's actually kind of beautiful to see. And um, it's just kind of like, it, I'm going to show up as I am. And exactly. if, you, if you don't like it, then it's still a worker's market. So you can sit there and not have anybody to flip your burgers. Like I, yeah. I'm, I'm going to, be comfortable or, you know, you're going to suffer as a hiring, you know, hiring body. So um, I, I kind of love to see it. We're, we're slowly breaking the, the hold, the grip hold, the pull yourself up by your bootstraps, which is a conundrum in itself and isn't real um, mentality and, you know, sacrifice work weekends, work yourself to the bone kind of mentality that has always been around for work. Yeah. And uh, we're, we're not having it anymore. We're just like, 
mental health and humanity first. I am a human. I am myself. I need to be healthy or else I cannot take care of anybody. And I love, I love this. I, I love that people are putting themselves first. It's really, it's really the bar is low, but yeah. um, we're finally at least there. And I hope that it stays there, you know? It's, it's so funny how the tables have turned. Um, and it's so crazy what it took to bring us to this point. Yeah. Um, because it, it really was forced upon companies to be in this state. I don't think that I don't think that we were pushing for it as a society as much as we are now, but bec but because um, environmental things have created this environment where we now have the ability to be in control somewhat of these organizations and companies, it's it's amazing. It's mm -hmm. amazing to see, and I really hope that people um, continue to be adamant about caring for themselves which right. is it's so crazy to say that, yeah. that we have that we've put that on the back burner uh, for an organization for organizations and companies that would hire somebody the next day if you died mm -hmm. and maybe send flowers like maybe yeah. <laughs> so yeah yeah i think as millennials we know that we have options too so if this company isn't going to accept us how we are, then there's another place that we could go to, especially in this field mm -hmm. where it's growing so fast. It's important to find a company that's inclusive and is going to accept your hair and, and everything else about you. So mm -hmm. love it. You love to see it. <laughs> you love to see it. Absolutely. So I kind of want to go to um, cultural awareness of hair and maybe programming of black hair. Um, when we were talking about this podcast, we were talking about how sometimes um, as behavior technicians and BCABAs and BCBAs, we, uh, they, they write programs that do not work for black hair and they might not have the cultural awareness to ask the family whether or not that these programs are working for their family and their children. So it's, um, we, we, we don't want to see fine tooth combs. I mean, you know, generally fine tooth combs are terrible for black hair and um, washing your hair every day may not suit the family. Uh, brushing your hair every day might not suit the family. Um, protective hairstyles in general, like that's also a thing that other, you know, people or races might not know about or might not need to know about. So mm -hmm. it's like, let's, let's carry on from here. Yeah. And I think the problem is too, with a lot of goals, they're taken from a template. So mm -hmm. they're not individualized for that specific client. And so, like you said, uh, they need to modify it to the client's needs. Like you said, um, a fine tooth comb isn't going to work with black hair. Um, so that's a good point. So again, we talk about the his the historical context of things, right? That's kind of been um, a theme for today's show, I think. And if we look at research historically, it has not included black bodies, um, even in this very new field where, um, what, just in the last 50 years, um, we're really starting to to gain our footing. So. I think that um, that is where that derives from is the idea that the research that we have was not done with black people included and black bodies included. So the research doesn't include how do we culturally accommodate 
um, other cultures with these behavioral interventions. Um, so it's something that we, as a profession, need to be working on and towards constantly. Yes. With, um, with self-care goals, we definitely need to be a team and work with the family to find out what works with the family and what works for the client specifically. Because even within Black people, we all take care of our hair differently. We all, and there's like so many different styles. I'm mad at video games. There's so many different styles of, you know, for Black hair and so many ways to do it up. So many. And so it's, it's like... If you have a client with black hair, definitely, definitely talk to the family to see um, what works for the family because there's there's wash day, there's styling, there's the different textures and the different greens and different hair products, different color. Yeah. And all of that needs to be considered in order to have a proper program for somebody with textured hair. And honestly, this isn't even... For just for black people. Um, lots of people have textured hair, even white people have some very curly textured hair. And um, it, it's all it's all different. So definitely. Nikki, how would you create a, a goal for a client with the same hair texture as you? Okay, so first off, um, I would talk to the family and see how in family they go about detangling. Okay. Um, some, some black people only do their hair in the shower or the tub. Um, some, some people do it outside of water, but they use like a lot of moisture, like a lot of detangler, a lot of leave-in conditioner in order to comb it out and um, keep it moisturized and stuff like that. So I would just be like, okay, so for your family culture, um, how exactly do you detangle? What is the frequency of washing? Um, do you put your child's hair into protective styles? And, or do you just get it professionally done? Because when I was younger, I basically only ever had my hair professionally done. Um, do you perm? You know, I would I would basically just have the parents write the goal, honestly. Okay. I would, yeah, I would just be like, tell me what you want the kid to learn and I will make sure the kid learns it. Just spare no details. I know that this is really important. Our hair is our crown. So it's you write it. Or I would ask the client, um, what do you want to learn? Um, and if they have the capability to go ahead and do that. But Nice. A plus. <laughs> Thank you. Also, shout out to the Crown Act, which is going around uh, making it um, illegal to discriminate based on hairstyle. And they, I think the Crown Act recently came to the o Oregon area. I don't think it has been passed in Oregon, but it's slowly going across the states trying to get this kind of thing passed. And um, it's really exciting. Also, for people who are listening to this podcast, black hair is not dirty. It just is not. We, we may not brush our or wash our hair every day, but like also if you see dreads, if you see braids, if you see any kind of black hair, it is not dirty. It is actually probably cleaner than yours. <laughs> I'm just going to put that out there. Absolutely. Mm. 
So I think the most recent, I've, I had forgotten about the Crown Act. Um, I think the most recent legislation I had been hearing about prior to the Crown Act um, was dealing with the military. I think there was one point where braids for Black women was a discussion. Mm -hmm. um, and if I'm remembering correctly, milit the military did not want Black women to wear braids. Yeah. Um, I can't remember what the reasoning was. In my mind, that is the perfect uh, hairstyle to wear in such an occupation because it's out of the way, it's pulled back, um, and it allows you to do your job unrestricted. And so I've never really understood what that was supposed to mean, but here we are. And I also don't know how far we've gotten on that either, like where we're at now. Mm, I remember working on base. Am I echoing? I'm not sure. Not from my end. Okay. Well, I remember working on base when a lot of that discussion was happening and talking to a lot of Black um, people in the Navy, and it was a hot discussion. And I think um, they had just passed it, and they were just like, thank goodness we can finally wear our hair in these protective styles because we are in the water, we are in the air, we are doing this and that and putting stuff on our heads. <laughs> and finally, we can just wear our hair in braids. And also your hair has to be like neat. Like you're not allowed to have, you know, strands or little flyaways. It has to be tied down. And that's really hard for black hair. Black hair wants to do what it wants to do. So yeah, it was just basically racial discrimination. Also, can we talk about the Olympics? Oh, <laughs> and boy. Crazy stuff that's happening um, against black women in the Olympics. I mean, like we're talking about hair, so I'm mostly talking about how um, black hair caps for black swimmers have been banned in the Olympics just this year. Man, I have not heard that. Yes, so you know, um, we got big hair, and the the hair caps that actually cover our hair when we swim mm -hmm. actually keep the water out of it. We're mm -hmm. the Tokyo Olympics just this month. And um, black what swimmers- What was the reasoning? Yeah. The reasoning was caps don't need to be that big for swimmers. That's literally the reason. big hair, wouldn't you need? No, no, no. The, 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 this is me acting, talking as the Olympics. Yeah. The Olympics are just like, no, 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 no. Um, they don't need to be that big. There's no reason for hair hair caps to be that big. We're the tiny ones, that's standard. <laughs> the big ones, we don't understand. It doesn't need to be that big. So um, yeah, that was literally the reasoning. And yeah, we, hair caps for black swimmers, the big stretchy nice ones that keep chlorine out of your hair band. So yeah, that, that was wild. Um, it, it's just basically racial discrimination. Oh. Yeah. So it says that the governing body for the water sports world says, and I quote, told them that hats, that the hats, the hats aren't suitable because they don't follow the natural form of the head. So our, the way our hair grows isn't even considered natural is what, oh, is what that means and says. Yeah. It's, it's big and not smooth. I don't, I don't even understand. Like, I, I, I'm thinking, and I'm just like, if our head, if, if we can win with all of that stuff on our head and it's not even like 
aerodynamic or aqua dynamic or you know then we sh should deserve to win and wear whatever we want to win or wear whatever we want to wear it's it's frustrating so um there was that discrimination happening man like what is just policed to everything it's just police to hell honestly it's so crazy what are you saying because of that um aren't people talking about boycotting the olympics have you heard about that too because there's another there's another issue i i forget her name um she does track Shikari. yeah there's um she's banned so i i heard people were so it does say in this article about the swimming caps that the governing body is reconsidering after the backlash oh really um, okay which i mean in and of itself is bs because it shouldn't be a consideration at all like we shouldn't even be having this conversation but neither here nor there um yes yeah, shikari um i can't remember her last name um let me find it though because it's i believe it's richardson shikari richardson yes that's exactly that's exactly what it is um banned for uh traces of marijuana in her system mm -hmm. um which is just really unfortunate marijuana is not a performance enhancing drug mm -hmm. um and here this young lady is the fastest woman with the 100 meter record and she can't even compete yeah her she's that fast with that in her system. She's, she's, yeah. she's good. <laughs> she um like right after tryouts, her mom passed away, and mm -hmm. she was uh, smoking to cope. Also, can we call it cannabis or pot? Of course. Yes, thank you. Um, but yes, uh, her mom passed away. She told the committee, "I was um smoking to cope with a loss of mine," and um they were just kind of like you're banned for, for 30 days, which would make her ineligible to run for one thing, but she could do like another thing. But um, did you say that the committee was reconsidering for Shikari or reconsidering? No, 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 I was talking about for the, the swimming caps. Good, because that is even more heinous. Like I can kind of understand cannabis. I mean, it is any kind of drug ever, but like also um, somebody's, uh, somebody else tested positive for steroids, but wasn't banned. She was just like, I ate a burrito and I got steroids from a burrito. And they were like, oh, okay. what? but she was white. And, <laughs> and what so is like, this? Um, this was real. Yeah, a, a white woman tested positive for steroids. And she said, it got in my system because I ate a, a beef burrito. And they were like, okay. And Shikari, she... Um, tested positive for cannabis and they were just like banned from the Olympics altogether. And we were just like, this is racist. Wow. <laughs> yes. Um, another, another interesting element in regard to Shikari um, is her appearance. When she yeah. won the hundred meter, um, the hundred meter dash, there were, comments made about her hair, about her nails, um, and just her overall body was attacked by a lot of people. Um, so, I mean, just to pull this back into what we've been talking about here regarding hair um, and how it's viewed, he was a victim of that just as well. And so again, we see that everywhere. We even see it at the Olympics. 
Here we are. So you're saying people were saying like negative comments about her hair and her Absolutely. nails. Absolutely, her hair yeah. is her hair was bright orange when she won. Mm -hmm. um, her nails were very long, um, and she has a very muscular body. Mm -hmm. um, and people said horrible things about all of those things, you know, when she when she won. And I, of course, I think that it's all tied into everything that's going on now. But that's not neither here nor there. We won't get into conspiracy theories, but. Um, but yeah, I think that it definitely has something to do with where we're at today. Yeah, no doubt. Well, I love her orange hair. And it, it reminds me of what we mentioned earlier in saying that when someone else does it, a non-Black person, it looks great. You know, um, Kylie... Kim Kardashian, if they have the same nails and hair, it's, it looks great. But for her, um, it's a big deal. So mm. unfortunate. Yeah, it's rough. But um, I am curious. So so we're on um, the last couple minutes of the podcast. And um, we have spoke about a whole bunch of stuff. I kind of want to go into... Um, uh, the self-esteem of children when it comes to um, hair and how we're, they're being perceived and stuff like that. Um, does anybody want to talk on that? Uh, self-esteem in regards of just feeling like they, they don't like their hair, they don't have good hair. Yeah, that. Okay, uh, Jeremy. I mean, again, we've, once again, historical context, right? Right. Growing up, even for us, we didn't see, there wasn't any representation in toys. There wasn't any representation in the media, on cartoons, in movies. Um, we really had to dig to find our own. Um, and even further back than that, just the, the idea that how we present has been considered not the standard. It's been considered unprofessional um, because it's not Eurocentric. Right. Um, we and and because of the Euro, the Eurocentric view, um, over the past several decades, as far as I can I can remember back, wow. there have been black people who um, who have moved to fit the Eurocentric standard. Um, because there was no other way for them to survive, whether that was through work or just whatever living environment that they were in. And so that, of course, trickles down generation to generation um, and today manifests itself in the form of children viewing their hair or their skin or whatever else as less than because that's what they've been told and that's what they've seen. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, if we're talking about our kiddos, when we are creating programming for them um, and we're showing them pictures of, um, you know, touch your head and, and, the, and the head that they're, or, or show us, show me head and the head that they're seeing on, um, you know, this picture is of a white person with long straight hair. Mm -hmm. um, just because those are the materials that are typically available to us right. readily, you know what I mean? Um, so I think the 
the less and less that our kiddos see themselves, um, the more they have the potential to think that what they look like is an issue. Mm -hmm. I agree because um, growing up, like playing with dolls, Barbie dolls, baby dolls, um, there was hardly any brown ones. I'm I'm 33, I'm turning 34 this year and it's changed. And when I go to the store, like I see that now or I see more, but back then it was like real like slim pickings, like maybe there's one, you know? And so for me, I'm like, I always wanted like straight hair. I always wanted to like fit in. And so I used to straighten my hair all the time and I completely damaged it. I haven't done that for the past five years or so, but I do think there's a lot more representation now like even on social media i see like curly hair pages and like people embracing their natural hair which is great mm -hmm. um, but definitely didn't have that back in the day and yes. even those barbies back then sharon if i remember correctly um and i'm 32 i just turned 32. Um, <laughs> but yeah i it, back back in the days that i knew of barbies when my sister was playing with them um who's only a year and a half younger than me the black barbies that they did have also had straight hair. They sure did. And there were no curly haired <laughs> Barbies out there back mm -hmm. then. Um, Same that was the baby that. dolls and the regular Barbies. Um, and I don't think, and like our production just pointed out, I don't think that the black Barbies that I remember were Barbie brand. They were off-brand Barbies. And so. Yeah. Um, same thing in the cartoons we watched growing mm -hmm. up. Like there maybe would be that brown or black skinned character, but they would always have straight hair. Like mm -hmm. they, they never really had cornrows or Afro puffs, but, or if they did, it was poorly drawn. <laughs> you didn't really pay much attention to it. Right, hairline all messed up. I, <laughs> <hairline pushed> back. <laughs> Penny Proud and her mom, like her hair had a little bit of wave into it. La Cienega, her hair was straight. Um, that other girl, her hair was straight and <laughs> just, just kind of like, um, we, we didn't have much black rep and it, it probably did damage to um, how, you know, black people are perceived and how we perceive ourselves. As a matter of fact, I didn't even know, like I had curly hair until I was in my twenties. So it was, it's just, you know, crazy, wow. it's just craziness. So I, uh, I'm glad that there's more representation in the media nowadays and in the video games that we play, there's a little bit more rep and more hairstyle choices and like the create your own character. We still have a long way to go, but it's oh, really definitely. Than it was, yeah, play a lot of video games or yeah, I, I watch my girlfriend play a lot of video games, <laughs> but um, when, when we play together, it's way better than it ever used to be. And um, a lot of indie games are coming out. There's like a lot of really good rip and it's really exciting, um, but we still have a long way to go. I, I, I noticed that a lot of um, black people are getting into game design so that they can make their own video games. They're just like, oh, you wanna see it? Make it yourself and we're like, cracks knuckles. Okay, we will. <laughs> and it's necessary. We need to flood all of these spaces so that exactly. there can be representation um, because even if, we have to do it because it, even if it's done, if it's done without us, it's not going to be done correctly. Mm -hmm. um, so I would rather we flood all of the spaces where we want to see the representation um, and do it ourselves. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. 
I hear because um, there's aren't black creators on strike on TikTok. Have you guys heard about that too? I did see that. And that people are talking about starting their own social media platform mm -hmm. um, just because a lot of the black creators create the dances and they're not mm -hmm. getting that recognition. So I agree. Blood all spaces. I, I didn't hear that, but I did hear that a company started up to start patenting um, black or trends that black people have set uh, like dance moves, like okay. dance has been really hard to copyright and to trademark, but um, a black run company has started up so that we can start patenting our own trends that we're setting and start oh, finally. Wow. That's amazing. That's yeah. huge. That is huge. We're, we're finally That's doing gonna it. Great. That's going to be great. Jeremy, do you have a hot take for today? I do have a decolonizing ABA. Um, and we're just going to talk again about historical context, right? Um, in the form of research. Uh, we mentioned a little earlier that research is far and few between to ever include Black bodies. And because our Blackness is so, new, so unique and our journeys are so unique, we need unique programming um, that meets and accommodates our needs. Um, so that means that the profession as a whole needs to be taking steps towards um, creating research that includes Black people so that we can better understand how these interventions work for us culturally um, and embrace it because some of the things that we are doing now could potentially be harmful. Um, like creating programming where we're telling a thick haired black child to comb their hair with a fine tooth comb. That's extremely inappropriate. Um, or telling them to wash their hair every day. That's extremely inappropriate. And just all around talking to our families and, and asking, you know, what are the needs of your child? Um, if they're, especially if they're of a race that's different from our own. Um, so, yeah, just as a whole, the field needs to take the steps to ensure that it is actually being inclusive. They talk about it all day long, but are you actually doing the work? Right. That's it for me today. That was wonderful. Thank you, Jeremy. Mm -hmm. I am curious, does um, does Katie publish our research articles? Like, do we, do we pay people to go out, collect research and to like do anything like that? I remember, on a time, um, a BCBA, but a researcher at heart had asked to do like a research study on one of the kids and wanted to publish it because he found out something really interesting. And I think the research was denied and um, he like left the company. So I'm just like, do we do research here at Cadian or do we just do programs? Production says, yes, we have research and development department is still in development, but it is there and active. Interesting. What so is a thing? Okay. So this is for you, research and development <laughs> department. <laughs> Hear me now. In your research and your development, you include black people. Okay, do thanks, it. bye. Mm -hmm. Yes, not only as the subjects, but also in the research. Yes. Thank you so much. We have somebody over on the side, like feeding us information and whatnot. And it's very helpful. Thank you, Amanda. Shout out. We love you, Amanda. 
Yeah. Anyway, um, thank you. This this will conclude the podcast. I hope you enjoyed the hair episode. I'm really excited about it. And um, I guess we'll see you for episode seven next month, where we hope to have a guest speaker. So, yeah. Y'all, it's... We're in this thing. We're, yes. we're invested now. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I also people that have stuck with us for seven episodes. I know. Of just listening to us rant about blackness all the time. <laughs> it's so exciting. <laughs> I'm like seven hours later. Thank you for staying with us. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Well, bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Thank you.